You're listening to Reset. Coming up on the show, Illinois continues to wrestle with COVID, with dozens of counties at a high level of community spread. This, as a new booster shot out now, is expected to protect against the current Omicron variants. But how will the upcoming flu season fit into all of this? And how can we protect ourselves from a myriad of infectious diseases? We'll check in with Dr. Taramina for the latest guidance. And later, as millions of monarch butterflies pass through Chicago, we learn more about the insect's annual migration. Those stories and much more after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Amy Held. Ukraine's counteroffensive in the east goes on at lightning speed. It has taken back dozens of towns and villages in a matter of days, sites that took Russia weeks to capture. Military analysts say Russia now faces major challenges with few good near-term options as it tries to regroup. The Kremlin is making its public response to Ukraine's recent military gains for the first time, and it has a different take. NPR's Charles Maines reports from Moscow the Kremlin insists Russia will achieve its military objectives in Ukraine. The comments came from Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov after he was asked by a reporter whether the Russian leadership still had faith in its military given the surging Ukrainian counteroffensive. Peskov also said President Vladimir Putin was aware of all decisions taken by his generals. Russia's defense ministry has insisted in order to retreat from several cities over the weekend was part of a planned regrouping of Russian forces. On Monday, the ministry also said it had launched missile strikes at Ukrainian units that took part in the offensive. Yet the pullback from territory that included a key logistics hub for the Russian military campaign has prompted some government loyalists to openly call for a change in Kremlin strategy. Charles Maines, NPR News, Moscow. Court proceedings go on today in Florida to determine the sentencing for Nicholas Cruz. He shot dead 17 people at a high school five years ago. NPR's Greg Allen reports. Prosecutors presented weeks of chilling testimony from students and teachers who survived the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Jurors watched chilling surveillance video of Cruz firing his AR-15-style rifle in hallways and into classrooms, shooting some victims multiple times. And jurors viewed graphic autopsy photos of the 14 students and three staff members killed. Defense attorneys have focused their case on Cruz's childhood. Born to a mother who abused alcohol and crack cocaine, adopted as a baby by a 50-year-old mother who was slow to seek help for her son's behavioral and developmental problems. Cruz has already pleaded guilty to the murders. The jury will decide whether he receives a sentence of life in prison or the death penalty. Greg Allen, NPR News, Miami. In Edinburgh, Charles III is set to address Scottish Parliament for the first time as king. Earlier today, he led a procession through the streets, carrying the coffin of Queen Elizabeth, now lying at rest at St. Giles Cathedral. NPR's Frank Langfitt reports crowds gathered to pay their respects. She's the only queen that almost anybody, when you look across these crowds, has ever known in this country. And it's cliche to say so, but she was seen largely as the nation's grandmother. So there's, you know, people feel very, felt very close to her in a lot of ways. Not all Britons share the same sentiments, however. A handful of protesters have demonstrated against the days-long proceedings, arguing the monarchy is obsolete and anti-democratic. Tomorrow, the Queen's coffin will be moved to London's Buckingham Palace. And you're listening to NPR News. It is 12.04, 57 degrees, a gray day. I'm Lisa Lavis. This is WBEZ News. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot says she is expecting resources from the federal government to help care for migrants who are arriving in Chicago from Texas. The mayor spoke about migrants over the weekend after visiting federal officials in Washington, D.C. Soaking rains, flooded viaducts and basements, particularly on Chicago's north and northwest side, mean cleaning up continues today. The National Weather Service reported viaducts 
tracks across the north side had many stranded vehicles. Heavy rain also affected some west, southwest, and northwest suburbs. Closing arguments continue today for R. Kelly and two co-defendants in the Chicago's in Chicago's federal court. Jury deliberations will follow. The judge has indicated uh, closing arguments will spill over until tomorrow. And three Americans are among winners of this year's Balzan Prize. Two are based at the University of Chicago, including philosopher Martha Nussbaum, who has won the prize for moral philosophy for what the Balzan Foundation calls her transformative reconception of the goals of social justice both globally and locally. Another University of Chicago faculty member is ethnomusicologist Philip Bullman, who is recognized for his work focusing primarily on European and Jewish music. Weather forecast for today, you're in cloudy skies with a few scattered showers throughout the day, getting to a high of 63. Right now a chilly 57. I'm Lisa Labes, WBEZ News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include National Geographic Expeditions, trips with Nat Geo experts to more than 80 worldwide destinations, including safaris, cruises, and train journeys. NatGeoExpeditions.com slash explore. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Coming up this hour, we revisit our series Reimagine Chicago, where we look at how government and politics works in our city and how it could work better for residents. Plus, monarch butterflies are making a pit stop in Chicago on their 3,000-mile trek from Canada to Mexico this week. We'll learn more from a local biologist. But first, Omicron-specific COVID boosters, they're available today, but they won't be as effective a few months down the line as the virus mutates. And many students are back in the classroom as flu season creeps closer. With us to discuss all of this and more is Dr. Mia Termina, an infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Hi, doctor. Hey, Sasha. Bring us up to speed. What is the latest with COVID-19 in our region? Is it winding down? It's not that it's winding down. It's kind of at one of those low drones where it's just there. It's in the background. We're still seeing, you know, a couple thousand, 2,500 cases every week. We're just not seeing that many people in the hospital. Uh, When we do, they're often older, um, getting a little dehydrated, a little weak, um, but nothing that's too, too overwhelming, stressing our healthcare systems or anything. But definitely still hearing about cases here and there and clusters of infections for sure. As I mentioned, uh, the new COVID boosters, they're available now, doctor. So just remind us what's different about these shots. So these shots are basically our Pfizer and Moderna vaccines now reformulated to have additional components in them to protect against what's going around right now. And it's still overwhelmingly Omicron BA5 and some Omicron BA4 cases. So we needed more variant-specific vaccines in our system to try and stop us from getting these infections and reinfections and reinfections that we're starting to see folks, you know, on their second and third and fourth episodes of COVID over the years. And these are going to be the best vaccines, especially as we approach the fall here, to protect us for the months to come. So you're saying they're specifically for current COVID variants, but we've seen this virus mutate several times already, Dr. Termina. So so is this booster going to be effective against upcoming variations? 
So we hope it will have some effect. We'll have to see, time will tell. Now that we're having more strains of Omicron kind of in a ladder-like fashion, meaning that we're getting more versions of Omicron itself as opposed to wildly different subtypes like we had seen earlier on in the pandemic. So the hope would be that the antibodies generated against BA4 and BA5, be it from natural infection or from these vaccines, are going to help protect us against some similar variants to come. But if we have a dramatically different variant that comes in, in the coming months, that would certainly be a, a bigger issue. We haven't seen that. We're kind of spent the entire year of 2022 really in Omicron. So hopefully yeah. we'll still have some effect with these vaccines, giving us a little more durability than we've seen in some of the vaccines in the past. And I, I imagine we can't just start, you know, get in the lab and start creating the next booster, you know, in advance. I, I believe we'd have to wait until these variants obviously show up later on and then we do take a look wait, at what yes. they look like and then, of course, figure out what can combat it. For sure. But, you know, the, the cool part about messenger RNA technology is that it can be readily tweaked. It doesn't take a year or two or three in order to make new versions of these vaccines. All along the way, as soon as new variants have presented themselves, these drug companies have been well on top of testing their existing vaccines against what's going around and working on potential reformulations if needed. And this has been the first critical need for us to have a reformulation ready to go. And we have turned it out very quickly and it's ready to go. The uh, Chicago Tribune reports Lake County is getting its first batch of these COVID boosters that are targeting the new variants. Who can get that shot? So anyone over the age of 12 is eligible for a bivalent booster. So uh, if you're over age of 12 and up to 18 plus, Pfizer is available to you. Uh, if you're over the age of 18, Moderna is available to you. You need to be at least two months from any dose of COVID vaccine uh, that you've recently received, and you need to have completed a full primary series. So that still is, for most people, two doses of a messenger RNA vaccine, a single dose of Johnson & Johnson, and now potentially two doses of Novavax as well. As long as you've completed that primary series and or a booster or two or three, if you've been eligible, and it's been at least two months, you can go ahead and get a bivalent booster. What kind of symptoms can people expect with this round of, of boosters? More of that same, you know, achy injection site and maybe a mild fever? Yes, yeah, so far so good on, on the side effects. They've been quite similar to previous doses of these vaccines. This is not a dramatic difference in the components of the vaccine. It's simply a little bit of a different genetic code. So injection site soreness, mild flu-like symptoms, maybe feeling a little bit feverish, headachey. And if you've had vaccines, oh, COVID vaccines in the past that have put you down and out for a good 24 hours, plan accordingly because there's a decent chance that you might need to be home and resting up after getting your vaccine but nothing that has been dramatically different than prior doses of vaccines in the past. So as we go through the last week and a half of summer, Dr. Teramina, my mind is going immediately to the start of flu season. But then there's COVID, which is still here. And I know kids are back in the classroom. So should we be just bracing for a virus palooza? We can be. We've been saying this for the last two flu seasons, kind of bracing ourselves for this possible twindemic and having, you know, two different uh, overwhelming respiratory viral seasons all at once. 
I think this year there is a little bit more risk. This is the first flu season that we're going to have in the last couple of years where we really have decreased mitigation. So we don't have as much mask wearing, social distancing, et cetera. And we're seeing in the Southern Hemisphere an earlier flu season. So that could mean that we will have an earlier flu season here as well. And that would mean a flu season hitting in October or November when we typically don't see flu cases in a routine year, often really picking up until December, January. So with that, this is the time to start considering planning your flu vaccine and getting it maybe on the sooner end versus the later end, but not too soon. Okay, so how effective are these flu shots? We never know how effective they are until we get into the thick of it. It's all a big predictability. Um, A very good flu vaccine could be 40 to 50% effective. These are not foolproof, but even having a vaccine on board that might only be 40 to 50% effective at what's going around can dramatically decrease the intensity of the illness if you do become infected after you've had your influenza vaccine. So uh, these are vaccines that are recommended for everyone age six months and up. Everyone should have a flu shot every year. And um, the time to get it is definitely uh, approaching. I would say I've been a big fan of October, um, but I think that by the end of October, most people should have received their flu vaccine. Don't want to wait too long. But if you find yourself waiting longer than the end of October, it's not too late. We continue giving flu vaccines clear into the spring. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking with infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina about all things COVID boosters and monkeypox vaccines. Speaking of that, uh, doctor, can you get the flu vaccine, the COVID booster and the monkeypox vaccine on the same day? Asking for a friend. (laughs) <laughs> you actually can. You might need to prepare yourself for, for some uh, flu-like symptoms and feeling feverish, but there's no need to gap these vaccines at all. You can give them all at the same time, all on the same day. Um, if patients are really insistent upon um, gapping them out and, and trying to figure which order they should go in, what the critical need is right now is coverage for Omicron, so getting that, that COVID booster. And if you are in a risk group for monkeypox, that would be the next need and, and getting that flu vaccine shortly afterward. But there is no need to delay or space these out. Speaking of monkeypox, what do you mean by the risk group? What is the risk group for monkeypox? So we're still talking about 98% of all cases being in men and the vast majority of those being in men who have sex with men. So gay and bisexual men, also transgender persons who are having sex with other transgender persons or men, those remain at the top of the risk group right now. Um, But we are seeing cases go further into the communities. So we're seeing cases in kids, we're seeing cases in college students, and we're going to start seeing clusters of infections among groups of people who interact closely with one another. So this is not something that should be exclusively thought of as sexually transmitted, nor should it be exclusively thought of as something affecting the LGBTQ population. It is going to consider uh, continue to find pockets of folks to spread amongst, and we need to be very mindful of that if you've had higher risk close contact with somebody who's symptomatic. A recent CDC report found growing racial disparities in who is getting the monkeypox vaccine. Uh, It showed black men, for instance, only made up 10 percent of monkeypox vaccine recipients, though they account for nearly a third of U.S. cases. It makes me think about the racial disparities in covid vaccine distribution as well, doctors. Why is this happening? 
there is always this topic and, and it's so frustrating for me because you know our, our persons of color and our black and Latino populations always seem to be at the tail end of this and there's a couple of different issues here one is going to be access you know the fact that a lot of these are rolling out into LGBT community centers and health centers and maybe there are transportation issues getting to those locations but also there is a little bit of a stigma when you have something that we talk about as being potentially transmitted uh, between men who have sex with men and there still exists a stigma more so in persons of color about sexual behaviors involving uh, those of the same sex. So there may be a little bit of a stigma associated with going out and getting this vaccine for yourself knowing that this is sort of acknowledging that you're in this risk group and we need to destigmatize this completely and we need to work on bringing these vaccines to the folks if they're not able to get to the vaccines because this is an important group and we need to be able to widely roll it out amongst those who are at highest risk. Yeah. What advice do you have for people to protect themselves from monkeypox if they're not yet eligible to receive the vaccine? I hope that we will see eligibility roll out further. We're starting to see, um, you know, uh, a correlation with people who are getting other sexually transmitted infections, regardless of your sexual behaviors and who your partners are. So if you are, you know, getting exposed to certain sexually transmitted infections, so now we can talk about younger folks, college co-eds, et cetera, hopefully we can roll these vaccines further into these higher risk groups. If you're not yet eligible, um, but you know, you may find yourself working in close contact with individuals and you may find yourself with, uh, you know, close interactions with folks, we need to be mindful of, of close physical interactions. So skin to skin contact, um, you know, back to kind of the more elbow bumping as opposed to handshaking, as opposed to greeting with a hug and a kiss, that's going to be a little um, more safe at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those who are sexually active, being maybe a little bit more discretionary in your partners, I hate saying that. I don't want to, um, you know, uh, say that we can't be openly sexual, but, you know, being a little more discretionary in your partners and knowing who you're with uh, so that you can have contact with those individuals should anyone become ill afterward. And we can readily treat folks and get them vaccinated with a post-exposure vaccine if needed. Great advice. That's infectious disease specialist, Dr. Mia Termina with Dooley Health and Care. Thank you, doctor. Thank you.